0: Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to a message from New King Church. We're a church located in South Burlington, Vermont, and our prayer is that this resource would help you find and follow Jesus. If you want to know more about our church and the ministries we have, check us out at newkingchurch.com. Testing, testing. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Hello. You still awake after all that? Let me, let me hear it from you. Good afternoon. Good, afternoon. Good afternoon! Can you hear me in the back say, Amen? Amen! Can you hear me in the front say, Amen? Amen! Okay. Well, make sure you guys are awake. i got to get some feedback here, you know. Um, so, <clears throat> my name is Aaron Clark, pastor of Imago Christi Church. Church. Um, today, this session, uh, the title of it is, Loving the Lord with All Your Strength. And our text is Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I'm just going to dive right into it. Uh, so, as I read these words, just ask the Lord to speak to you. Let his word go deep in your heart. Ask the spirit to accompany these words for you, alright? I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship the word of the lord Thanks be to God. so you know there there is a ditch that we can fall into and that's the ditch of legalism and as i preach this message you could easily fall into that ditch if you're not careful so hopefully the preaching on the heart that came in the first message will really help to forfend that forfend that's like an old archaic word um, but hopefully that'll keep you from that But there's another ditch that we can fall into on the other side, and that's the ditch of talkative. The ditch of talkative. You know what I'm talking about? Well, when I, this is actually one of the first things that I I thought of when I thought of this topic, was a man named Talkative from John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. Um, On their way to the Celestial City, Christian and faithful, meet this guy named Talkative. Uh, What a sorry name to receive from your mother. But faithful is enamored with him almost immediately. Because talkative says all the right things. He talks a good talk. He has all the right theology. He talks about regeneration and justification. talks about the blood of Christ. He is clearly full of knowledge because he can talk pretty smoothly. So he can talk all day about God's word, this guy. So Faithful goes over to Christian and he says, look at this guy. He's impressive, right? But Christian knows better because he's heard about Talkative. Talkative was his neighbor back in the city of destruction. And he knows his conduct. He knows his life. Christian says this of him. He talketh of prayer, of repentance, of faith, and of the new birth. But he knows but only to talk of them. His house is as empty of religion as the white of an egg is of savor. <laughs> and thus say the people that know him, a saint abroad and a devil at home. Such a person Jesus spoke of when he said, they preach but do not practice. This is exactly the problem of the Pharisees. And it's what led them to be called by the Lord, children of hell, sons of Satan. We know that this is not how the kingdom of God operates, is it? It's not simply in words. It's not simply in what you know. The kingdom of God does not consist in talk. But what does it consist in? Anybody know? Power. A plus, Ben. And that's why he's the fleet pastor. <laughs> um, power. Love for the Lord is never merely an inward experience. It's not something that you just have in your head or supposedly just in your heart. It's not something you have supposedly just alone in your closet. Jesus after all, he did say, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You will keep them. So many people go around saying, I love Jesus. Oh, Jesus is great. But if you ask them this question, is Jesus the Lord of your life? Is he your Lord? They might feel a little uncomfortable by that question because who in America has a Lord and a master? You see, in other words... It's not enough to think the right things. It's not enough even to feel the right things. It's not enough that we talk sound theology or believe sound theology or say that we love Jesus. Because it's all talk if it doesn't transform your walk. It must affect the conduct of your life. It must outpour If it's in your head and your heart, but not in your hands, then I would argue that you never had it in your heart or your head. If it truly, if it truly takes root in your heart, it will come out your hands. And the same is true of your head. We know this to be the case because Jesus told us some words, right? He didn't just say that, yeah, just having your head, having your heart. I, I know your heart, right? Some people might say, how can you judge me? How can you know what's going on the inside of me? But Jesus, he makes his judgment and tells us to make our judgment by what we see, by the conduct. What does he say? He says, you will know them by their fruits. You will know them by their fruits. What kind of a tree am I dealing with? Is this an apple tree? Why are there a bunch of figs growing on it? I kind of prefer figs a little bit, but but you'll know them by their fruit. That is how we are to judge if we are truly of the faith. If you've experienced true heart transformation and mind renewal by the Spirit of God, then there will be fruit. There will be fruits of righteousness, of joy, of peace. There will ultimately be obedience as we offer not only our whole heart and our mind, but all of our strength and love to the Lord. One thing that's just going to bother me this whole time is how this thing has been just shaking the whole time I've been talking, so hopefully that'll help a little bit. Um, but, all have to say, wherever you find yourself today, uh, my challenge for you is this. Consecrate yourself. Consecrate yourself for obedience to the Lord. Cleanse yourself and present yourself to the Lord to obey. That's all I'm going to be talking about today. We might as well leave right now. Let's stay a little longer. But to that end, we'll consider three aspects of our text in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. We're going to consider number one, the precept, number two, the provision, and number three, the promise. All that we see in this text. So number one, The precept. By precept, I'm referring to the command that's central to this passage. We don't usually call it precept, but I had to make it work with my alliteration, obviously. So, precept. It's the command that's central to this passage. Here's the command in verse 1. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is not a suggestion, by the way. That's why we're calling it a command. Present your bodies. And how does he say to present your bodies? He says like this, as a living sacrifice. Notice the sacrificial language. Presenting yourself as a sacrifice? The people who have been reading this would have just been coming out of the whole temple way of worshiping God through sacrifices. And I don't think any of them were familiar with living sacrifices. I think all of their sacrifices were dead sacrifices. Right? This isn't your typical sacrifice. Slain and bloody on an altar. It's a sacrifice that's living. A whole life. A whole body. Everything that I am. Given on the altar to the Lord. Devotion of myself to the Lord. Israel had drained blood by the gallons in the temple. But Paul's saying that in this new covenant... Our sacrifices won't be the blood of bulls and goats. Our sacrifice for sin will be the perfect lamb of God, Jesus the Christ. Our high priest will be the same. Our high priest, Jesus the Christ. And our ongoing spiritual form of worship will be presenting our bodies in obedience to the Lord. Did you catch that? That's part of the new temple, new covenant worship. It's our spiritual form of worship. That is the precept that we're faced with. Present yourself as a living sacrifice. A couple of things I want to point out to you about this precept. First, the precept is a call to present your members for obedience. It's explicit in the very next verse, in verse 2. He says, do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. In other words, discern how to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That's Colossians 1.10. Discern His will and obey it. This is exactly what the call to make disciples is. I don't know if you noticed that in Matthew chapter 28. When He said to go and make disciples, how did He say we were to go and make disciples? He said, teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. This is what it means to be a disciple, a learner of Christ, to learn his commands and to obey them, to do them. So we seek his will to understand it, and we obey it so that we can present ourselves to the Lord for obedience. Romans chapter 6, verse 19 says: just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. So now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. What a life transformation we're supposed to have. Our members were completely presented to rebellion. And now we are to be transformed by the power of the Spirit of God to present our members for obedience. Do you believe it? Amen. I think of the words of that great hymn when we think about this idea of taking our members, every one of our faculties, to be consecrated for the Lord's use. It needs to be our hearts cry, the words of this hymn. Take my life and let it be all for you, consecrated Lord to thee. Take my moments and my days. Let them flow in endless praise. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my voice and let me sing always only for my king. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages from thee. And the song goes on and on. Take every part of me consecrate and cleanse it that I may be useful for your work does anybody want this a consecration that every part of us would be set apart for our master's use the question that you have to consider today is are you given over to the Lord for obedience not did you present yourself for obedience in the past but presently are you right now given over to the Lord for obedience The second thing I want to point out about this precept, the precept is a call to present yourself cleansed. To present yourself cleansed. Inherent in this command is that we're called to present ourselves as holy and acceptable sacrifices. Not just any old sacrifice, not just what's common and unclean. In other words, the question is, is your sacrifice clean? Let me detail a little more what I'm talking about. You can see this in the Old Testament form of worship. Israel oftentimes brought defective offerings to the Lord. They brought the worst of their flock. They brought their blind. They brought their diseased. They brought their crippled. They brought the worst of their flock because that's a little bit easier than bringing them your best to the Lord, isn't it? Well, what did the Lord say to that? What did He say when they held back from Him the best of their flock? Well, He, he said the same thing that He says to us. When we offer him unholy, uncleansed lives, he says what he said to the prophet Malachi, chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are labor sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor? Says the Lord. Of hosts, and now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us. With such a gift from your hand, will he show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts? And then he begs with them, Oh, that there were among you one who would shut the doors that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I'd rather you not come at all to the place of worship if that's what you're going to present me. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. The Lord will reject that offering when I offer myself for service, but I continue in uncleanness, continue unrepentant, holding on to my sin, keeping myself to follow the passions of the world and of the flesh. Because the acceptable offering is one that has been cleansed. That has been made whole. And made holy. And so we heed the command from James. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. He's speaking to Christians. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. And purify your hearts, you double-minded. Well, obviously the precept. It's very high and lofty, isn't it? It feels pretty high and lofty. And we have to ask this question, who is sufficient for these things? Who is sufficient to enter into the temple of the Lord and to be an offering to the Lord Almighty, holy and acceptable? Well, praise be to God that wherever He commands, He provides. Wherever the Lord commands, He will provide. And that's why next we'll consider the provision of God number 2 the provision by provision i'm talking about the reference in this passage to what god has given us to fulfill this command and that is referenced in that short phrase in verse 1 did you hear that phrase he said by the mercies of god i appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of god by the mercies of God. You see, before this verse, there's another 11 chapters. Don't have time to get into all of them. But there, the apostle details God's mercies to us in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those mercies are the premise for the precept. Those mercies are the foundation for a life of holy obedience. We would fail otherwise if not for the mercies of God. Amen? Amen. We need the mercies of God if we're going to do this. Amen? Does anybody believe it? Amen? Right? Let it be known. What we see in that one little phrase is two things. One, that in Christ you have everything you need to cleanse yourself from sin. And number two, that you have everything you need to present yourself for obedience. Let's briefly look at those two points. One, for cleansing yourself. You have everything that you need, Christian brothers and sisters, to cleanse yourself because Christ has shed his blood for you. He has shed his blood for you. Do you remember the Lord's words when he instituted communion? What did he say in Luke 22, verse 20? He said, this cup... That is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. It's the cup that was poured out. For who? For you. For me. Put your name in there. It was poured out for me. You see, the Lord is offering you a cup filled to the brim with His divine blood. And there's nothing more powerful in the universe, nothing more able to cleanse us for our forgiveness. And that blood will wash you clean. And here's the truth that you need to know. It's not merely effective for washing you of your past sins. It's still effective right now to apply to fresh things. Think of what the Lord said to Peter on that same night. You remember when they were washing feet? We have a little principle there for us in John 13.10. Jesus says, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for His feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean. You see, the Lord washed us completely clean at conversion through the regeneration of the Holy Spirit, baptized into His Spirit, cleansed. Amen? We were washed and we were sanctified. We were justified completely forever. But we still tread this world, don't we? We still walk through the muck and the mire. And we pick up sin's stains. And that's why we need to and we must reapply the blood of Christ. This is why the Lord commanded us to confess our sins. And this is why we do it. Because we believe that he has fresh forgiveness. He has fresh cleansing for us through his blood. Do you believe it? He said to you, if we confess our sins, he is faithful just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Who did he say that to? He said that to the Christian. He said that to the Christian. The Christian is still in need of the blood of Christ. Your need for the blood of Christ didn't stop. When you put your faith in Christ, it's still going. You still have utter dependence, absolute dependence, on the blood of Christ do you believe it so whatever whatever um well sorry I'm getting ahead of myself let me ask you a question though have you as you're coming here today have you soiled your garments have you dirtied yourself have you walked through the dirt of the world worldly passions fleshly lusts have you returned like a dog to its vomit or like a swine to the mud. will confess it. You have hope. Confess it. Confess it today. And be cleansed again for the Lord's use. And you will receive the promise. That's in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 21. If anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use. Set apart as holy. Useful. For the master of the house, ready for every good work. Praise God. Though we have soiled our garments, that we have walked through the stains of this world, picked them up, the blood of Christ is still able to cleanse us. And we could still be used for honorable use. You haven't worn out your use just because you fell. Like David, just because he felt he could have given up right there. Peter, he could have given up when he denied the Lord Jesus Christ. He could have said, I've worn out my use. He didn't. He was washed. He remembered the words of the Lord Jesus, completely clean. But let me go to the Lord for cleansing. So whatever sin, whatever is worthless in you, you have all you need in Christ's blood for cleansing today. Not only that, but you have everything you need to present yourself for obedience. That's the second point of this provision that you need to know. You have everything you need to present yourself because God's grace in Christ trains you. He trains you. This is how great the mercy of God is toward you. He didn't merely cleanse you, New King Church, Redeemer, Imago Christi. He didn't merely cleanse you, then leave you to the rest. He didn't say, now you're washed, now go figure things out. No, when Christ appeared, he also gave you the grace that equips you for every good work. As Paul says to Titus, the grace of God has appeared in the period of Jesus Christ, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. Training us to live self-controlled, Upright and godly lives in this present age. That's what he trains us for. So, what has he provided us? He provided us himself. He did not merely just give us the cup of his blood to be washed, he gave us his own self. And how much more will he freely give us all things in Christ Jesus? Amen. But he gave us himself, and he's able to train us to live lives of obedience, and that's the grace of God that's appeared. Think about what provision that we have in Christ. He has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. Amen? He gives us his very righteousness where we only had trespasses. He gives us His blood for forgiveness. He gives us His blood to heal us of our incurable wound. He gives us His death so that we can die with Him in the flesh to our sinful ways. He gives us His resurrection life. So that we can live in newness of life. He ascended to heaven so that He could give us the Holy Spirit. He is our true vine. So we can bear much fruit as we abide in Him as the Father prunes us. He is our light. So we can walk in the light as He is in the light. He is the way. So that we can get to the Father. He is the truth. So that we can be set free From lies. He is the good shepherd. He leads us. He guides us. He preserves us. He is our king. He is our Lord. He commands us. He gives us the instructions that we need. He is our high priest. He advocates for us even when we do sin. Even when we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous And what does He plead for us? He pleads for us His own righteousness and His very blood. Do you have enough? Do you have what you need? Is His grace enough for you? When you call to Him in your prayer saying, I'm too weak, I can't do this, I can't live the life you're calling me to, my flesh is driving me to these other things, and you pray, Lord, remove these things from me, remove these temptations, I can't stand it. What does He say to you? My grace is enough for you. My grace is enough for you. He's provided you everything that you need. Christ is our all, and we have nothing. Christ is our all. And all of this, so that Christ may be all in all, and that we get no boast, but only Him in us. Amen? Amen. Praise be to God. Christ gets the glory. Well, we have a clear precept from the Lord. He's commanded us to cleanse and present our bodies to Him. And we have a clear provision from the Lord. He's given us everything that we need in Christ to accomplish what he's commanded. But ultimately, what are we doing this for? Why are we doing this? Why do all of this? And to answer that question, we need to consider the promise. That's our third point, number three, the promise. By promise, I'm referring to the blessing that's inherent in this verse. And you may have missed it. I'm going to say two at first. Listen to what sort of blessing we have hope for in those three words in verse one: holy and acceptable. Holy and acceptable. Holy and acceptable. I sound like I'm on repeat, like a parrot here or something. But do those words penetrate your heart? Do they grip you? Do you have that hope? Do you have that belief? Holy? Acceptable? Before the God of the universe who is holy? Knowing my past? Knowing who I've been? Holy? Acceptable? Not only that, knowing how the world has rejected me, my parents, my children, my spouse, my co workers, my boss, my neighbors, my community, even Christians, even pastors, even those who should have called themselves brothers and sisters, even the church, rejected. How can I expect to be acceptable before this God? Do you see it do you see the blessing that's implied in those words holy and acceptable implied in the command you know you may look at those words and think you just see the command holy and acceptable how can I ever do that but where he commands he provides as we've already said and so there's a promise there inherent in the blessing that we can actually come before the God of the universe holy and acceptable that's his promise that's his blessing And that's our hope. That's our hope. That's the hope that we hope for against hope. That's the hope that we hope for when we look at our flesh that's as good as dead. And we say, Lord, I believe you can do it. I hope that you will do it. He's able to present us before his Father holy and blameless with great joy. And this hope, it fuels us This blessing, it fuels us. This promise, it fuels us for every step of the Christian life. It's the hope that fuels us to continually cleanse ourselves from sin. It's the hope that fuels us to continually present ourselves for obedience. Listen to this promise in 1 John 3, verses 2-3. through We know that when He appears we shall be like Him. Like Him. Holy and acceptable. Because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. Do you notice the universality of that statement? Everyone who thus hopes in himself purifies himself. Right now, the hopers purify themselves. The hopers cleanse themselves because they hope to meet Him who is holy. Because we hope to see this holy God then, we cleanse ourselves now. We offer ourselves for obedience now. This burning hope in us, it speaks like this. I hope to see the God who is holy I hope to see the God who is pure. And so I prepare myself to meet Him, preparing for that meeting by all the provisions that He has given me in Christ so that I will not blush or be ashamed at His coming when I meet Him. All fear, that meeting being driven from me because fear has to do with punishment. But by His grace, He has perfected me in love. Perfect love casts out all fear perfected love brought to its end and he brings his love in us to completion in love for others and in love for him then we can stand before him unashamed with a holy confidence because he has completed our faith I hope for this blessing that Christ promised blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. They shall see God. And so, I cleanse my hands. I purify my heart. I, all that Christ has provided me, through repentance and confession, I consecrate myself. As a priest, right? That's the imagery of the temple. As a priest being consecrated for ministry, to go into the holy place, Cleansed by sacrificial blood, washed by holy water, the water of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and by repentance. I prepare myself to meet it by all he's provided. Because there is such a hope laid up for us in heaven, let us now store up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Amen. Let us cleanse ourselves today from sin. Amen. Let us present ourselves afresh for obedience. Amen? Let us consecrate ourselves for our master's use. Let us now commit ourselves to the Lord who is able to work all of this in us by all that he has provided for us. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we come to you, our family of churches, a bunch of weak people, and Lord you see even more our weakness than we do you know our blind spots you know the things that we don't see our secret sins. you say that we are naked before you before the eyes of whom we have to deal you see each and every part of us and so Lord we do not dare to hide anything from you but we boldly confess because of what you have given us in Christ. And so, Lord, we come to you now, a family of churches, each one of us, for consecration. Even now, Lord, would you secure a new work of consecration in our hearts and in our churches? Would you let us be a people, truly, set apart and holy for your use? Let us cleanse ourselves now from every defilement of body, and spirit bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God Lord show us our sins cleanse us from them let us depart from them let all of name the name of the Lord depart from iniquity Lord let us be imitators of you as beloved children let us walk in love just as Christ loved us And gave himself up for us. And even as he was a fragrant offering. and sacrifice to God. Let us be imitators of Christ. Let us be offerings. That are holy and acceptable to you. Lord would you put your hand. On each one of us now. You know the particular sins. That need to be repented of. And cleansed and confessed. You know your will. Better than any of us. And you know what you are calling each one of us to. New, fresh works of obedience. Changes in our conduct. Changes of conduct in our households. In the way that we treat our spouses, our parents, our children. Changes of conduct in our workplace. The way we interact with our coworkers, Changes of conduct in our neighborhood. In our community. Changes of conduct in our speech. Changes of conduct in our thought life. Changes of conduct even in our affections. Lord, you know your will for us, for each and every one of us. So put, now let your spirit be here in power. Put your hand upon each one of us. Direct us and guide us. Whisper to us your will. We have this promise free from you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your path so Lord we acknowledge you in this direct our path show us the way that you want us to go show us Lord if there are future church planting teams here team members people who will support the work of a church plant worship leaders people who are in the worship team servants hospitality if there are kids' ministry leaders, if there are evangelists, if there are deacons, if there are elders here, Lord, for our churches that are already here as well as future churches, put your hand upon us and consecrate afresh people right here for a holy ministry. Lord, take out of us missionaries. Take out of us missionaries and evangelists for here in Vermont, through New England, through North America, even into Quebec, to the ends of the world. Take missionaries out of us. Take evangelists. Take pastors. Take teachers and preachers. Take shepherds. Take all the body of your Son, every member out of us. Raise us up into the fullness of your Son. Put your hand on us. What ministry are you calling each one of us to? What new, fresh work of obedience? You will direct us. We believe it. And Lord I even pray for our leaders our pastors as we look forward to the future of where you want us to go where you want to direct our family of churches which you also speak to us to the elders to the deacons lead us and guide us in your holy will speak to us Lord speak to us and Lord dig out for us ears to hear your will accomplish all of this Lord by the working of your Holy Spirit, by all that you provide us in Jesus Christ. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen.